welcome to another episode of Vet School Unleashed, Dissecting the DVM, where we dissect topics and issues relating to life in veterinary school. I'm your host, Seth Williams, and I'm a veterinary student at the University of Missouri College of Veterinary Medicine. Today on the podcast, we're going to talk about a topic that is not talked about nearly as much as it should be, and that is mental wellness, mental illness, and depression. It has become way, way too common to hear stories in the news and on social media of veterinarians taking their own lives. And unfortunately, it's taken events like those that really shed light on how important it is that we start talking about our own mental wellness. Our profession is one that's filled with a lot of compassion and reward, but we're also faced with a lot of difficult and mentally taxing experiences. We live in a career where we can go from the highest high to the lowest low in literally a matter of seconds. So with this episode, I really want to help break the barrier of this lack of talking about mental wellness and personal struggle. We all go through tough times, and I think it's really important that we lean on each other. I've invited a few veterinary students to come on the podcast to share their own experiences relating to mental wellness and for them to share what they've learned from their experiences uh, and to give advice for all of us in the veterinary profession. I know this is a very difficult topic to talk about and to hear about, but the more that we do it, the easier it's going to become. And I think the first step to making a positive change regarding mental wellness as a whole in vet med is to talk about it. So first, I want to welcome Chad Landis on the podcast. So thanks for joining me on the podcast today, Chad. How's it going? It's going great. Good. So first, I just want to have you share a little bit about your background, where you're from, what you Mm-hmm. want to go into and just a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Well, my name is Chad Landis. I'm a member of the class of 2018, graduating from the University of Missouri College of Vet Medicine. I'm originally from Wanakee, Wisconsin, which is just north of Madison, about 10 miles. Mm-hmm. Um, big interest. I really have a passion for food animal medicine, particularly dairy cows. Mm-hmm. I'm slightly prejudiced to the black and white Holsteins. Okay. Red and whites aren't <laughs> bad, but I'm not going to knock the other color breeds. I also like dogs and cats. So, you know, food animal, mixed animal practice. We'll kind of see what the future holds from there. Cool. You think you're going to end up back in Wisconsin once this is all done? Yeah. My fiance is working on um, trying to get into her family farm, which is a 550 head dairy wow. farm just outside of Wanakee. So Great. we'll be somewhere in the area. Just not sure what kind of medicine we'll be practicing there. Right. And you're close. You're within a year. So yes, I am. I'm very jealous. You'll get there. You'll uh, yep. get there. Awesome. So uh, I want to thank you again for your willingness to share your story about struggle and, and things that have become very much a normal mm-hmm. thing of vet school and, and life in general. So you and I first met back when I was on my first year orientation trip, and I got to hear a little bit about your, your story and your background, um, which is why I initially thought that you'd be a great person to, to share your story for this podcast. So I wanted just to have you recap kind of what you experienced in your in your first year of mm-hmm. vet school and, and kind of what's become of that as of now. And then I want to get into what we can do to help prevent some of the bad things that can happen to us in vet school in terms of mental health and, and just getting down to the dumps and hopefully not getting as far as any self-harm. So, um, so first, would you mind sharing your story about? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I'm gonna back up. I'm gonna back up on my story a little bit before even my first year, and and kind of give a general background about vet students. They're they're highly intelligent, extremely competitive individuals. It's a very difficult field to enter. Um, so everybody that enters that field um, is there for a reason, and and they're and they're meant to be there. And I kind of came into vet school just like every other vet student, and, and knew I was smart. I knew that you know I was admitted. 
and that the administration kind of felt like I was ready to take on vet school. Mm-hmm. And then the first round of exams kind of happened and you know, you're, you're nervous, you're stressed and, and you're not sure how to prepare and everything's a little different. And people tell you oh, vet school is different than undergrad or, or whatever it may be. And so you might change your studying strategies or whatever. Um, and so I, I kind of took what everyone had to say and I made vet school out to be this, this beast, if you will. Right. Um, and as I was taking those exams and I prepared for them differently, stayed up all night studying, just like everybody else, pushing myself to the absolute max to try and get great grades. And I, I get my exam back and I think, let's see here, anatomy was first. No, anatomy was second. So first was cell bio and I got a 54% on that exam. Uh, anatomy, I believe was second with a rock solid 62 and a half percent. And then uh, there's another, there's another class physiology. Yeah. I got a 44% on that first exam and then uh, microanatomy hit and that one was a lot better. That one was a 73%. And so you sit there and you think, you know, I, I know I'm highly intelligent. I wouldn't have gotten into vet school if I wasn't, but I experienced three out of my four classes were not passing grades. Right. And you're only allowed so many D's before you're no longer admitted to vet school. And I kind of got myself in a funk. Like I'm, I'm studying all the time. I'm doing everything that I can. I'm, I'm busting my back. I don't understand where I'm messing up here. And I don't understand how the work isn't matching the grades. And then I met with one of our anatomy professors, Dr. Cross, and, and we were kind of going over some strategies and whatnot. Um, he's like, dude, you're, you're, you're you're literally working yourself to the point where you're not taking time for yourself. And I'm like, Dr. Cross, I don't have a choice. I'm mm-hmm. now in a hole where I'm failing three of my four classes and I'm staring down the barrel of flunking out of vet school within my first four weeks, which was not a healthy mindset to begin with. Right. Um, there led a downhill spiral of constantly telling myself I'm, I'm a failure, I'm inadequate, I'm not successful, I'm not going to make it. Uh, I'm clearly not good enough because I put so much stock into those exam scores. And I, I tried to meet with various professors on different strategies to make sure it didn't happen again. Um, but the second round of exams were three weeks, four weeks later. Mm-hmm. And so now you're you're cultivating this mental mindset of, I'm inadequate. I'm not good enough. I'm not cut out to be a veterinarian. This was my lifelong dream. This was my passion. And you know, here I sit and I'm not going to make it which led to even worse thoughts. And um, yeah, I mean, I, w- I was depressed. Uh, suicide was a thought. I, I didn't know, and I-, I wasn't experienced enough or old enough to know how to experience failure. And um, yeah, there was one night where I remember sitting in my apartment room and there I was, you know, it was just me. And I'm like, well, you know, if I committed suicide, who would miss me? Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to choke up a little bit and I apologize. Um, but emotion's okay. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I didn't think that night, um, after that night, I, I didn't think I'd see my parents at Christmas. Um, it was dark. There's, you back yourself into a corner and there's, you feel like there's no way out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> So, so where do you go from there? You know, do you off yourself? Do you commit suicide? Do you follow through? That's, that's a tough decision to make. Um, and I thought about it. And luckily, um, 
I really thought about who I would let down. You know, kind of thought through the consequences. Okay, if I committed suicide, who would miss me? And that's kind of where the emotion's coming from now. Right. Because my fiance would miss me, my mom and dad. I've got a lot of family members, friends, colleagues that I know loved and care about me and wanted me to succeed. But that night was dark. Um, and, you know, is there a good way to, to pull yourself out of it? I was, I was talking with my mom a couple weeks after, and, and she was praying for me. You know, my parents thought I wasn't going to make it through vet school, you know, through that first semester, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and my mom's, I just told my mom, I'm like, Mom, it's okay. I've just dug myself a hole, and I just need to climb out. And there are people who want to help you climb out, who want you to to get out of the hole you dug yourself. Um, and I talked with one student who did end up dropping out of vet school. Um, and it was a conversation along the lines of, I would throw you a rope, but I don't even have rope to throw you. Right. And that's a common thing among students is we want to help each other, but a lot of us are in the same boat. Like, you know, you're a great person. I want to help you, but I can't even help myself. And that's right. where I was. I couldn't help myself. Mm-hmm. Um, in the next round of exams, we're a little better. A couple C's, a couple B's. My average was still, you know, I was getting a couple D's. So I got an email notification from administration. And you fight tooth and nail to try and dig yourself out of that hole. And then the second semester hit and the anatomy exam was the very last exam. And it was in the brain and the nerves and and all of those front structures in the head. and The, the um, easy stuff. Yeah. Right. Quote, the easy stuff. That's right. <laughs> right. Got 54%, which solidified the first D that I've ever gotten in any class in my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll never forget. I, I got that gray back. My dad was in town. And it was actually kind of a sigh of relief. Mm-hmm. It was like, well, you know what? We're still here. Everything's okay. And you just kind of move on from there. So that's kind of my story and where I'm at and kind of... How I, I'm passionate about mental health of veterinarians. Right. So well, I have two questions. And mm-hmm. The first one is, it seems like the stimulus for this dark period was grades. For me, it was. And I think that's a common tale. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially because, like you said, a lot of us in vet school have gotten very, very well. We've all had to get very high marks all right. along. So when we get to vet school and we get something that's less than an A or a B, we think we failed. Yep, absolutely. Um, and what we keep telling ourselves and what we keep hearing from our um, our older uh, schoolmates or, or teachers or colleagues is that the grades don't really matter in the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously, that's very hard to right. really get through your brain when you're in your first two or three years. Mm-hmm. Um, the second question I have, and we can answer these as we go, yep. is how... How did you dig yourself out of that hole? Absolutely. So um, the first the first problem with veterinarians, we'll address the first question, is um, leading up into vet school, we were always told that you know grades matter, GPA matters, all of, the, uh, all of these numbers matter. And grades are just like your weight. Mm-hmm. They're just a number. They're just a score. I mean, really, a number doesn't define you. But we were taught to believe that from you know, ever since high school. If you want right. to be a veterinarian, you got to get good grades. So... And even if you want to get into college, you got to get good grades. Right. right. You know what I mean? So it's it's just it's a cultural thing that we need to change, that mm-hmm. we need to address that numbers are used to assess you, but they don't define you. Right. 
Um, and so how did I dig myself out of that hole? Uh, I'm going to be honest. I did not dig myself out of the hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had, I got tutors for classes, Robert Newman in the class of 2017 and, um, my friend group. And then Ashley Walker, who is in my class, Ashley was in my anatomy group. And this, this, what I'm about to say is the most important thing in my opinion, on addressing mental health and veterinarians. Mm -hmm. One of the most quiet, shy individuals, in my opinion, in our class, very kept to herself, first couple weeks, kind of Facebook messaged me and pulled me aside and said, hey, I'm actually doing really well. Do you want help? Can I help you? Can I meet with you you know, once a week, and I, I offered to pay her, reimburse her for her time and everything, and, and bless her heart, she just, she just wanted to help. Wow. And so she went above and beyond, you know, whether she was sick or she, you know, we had the same exam schedule. She made it a point that if I was struggling in class, she made time for me and helped me study. And I think that's a very important lesson that we need to learn as veterinarians is when someone's asking for help, if you're able to help, help. Right. Um, and again, sometimes we all can't help, but I wouldn't have made it through without her or my friend groups that also met to study with me. Right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have made it. I would have failed out. There's no doubt. Yeah. And I, I, I've seen that too in, in my own class, since we're in different classes, obviously, uh, that, or rather, I think the key to success in, in your, at least your first two years of vet school is the support system amongst your class. Absolutely. And you can really see that with either A, how many people are in your class that started by the mm-hmm. time you're done, or just the general uh, camaraderie. Um, and I think that can go for all vet schools and really for all professions for that matter, that um, we're humans first and, and that's kind of what we yep. we thrive on and, and that the, the, the relationships that we have and the support systems that we can create. So mm-hmm. um, I've totally seen that too. Now talking about prevention, I know this, this is a really tough kind of concept to, to think back on it, kind of like a, a hindsight is not 2020, but what mm-hmm. do you think you could have done personally that may have helped you uh, when you were going through that dark time? Is there anything that you could have done uh, hindsight that mm-hmm. may have changed kind of what you were going through? Right. Um, you know, the, I guess the first thing would be uh, you always got to take care of yourself. So don't work yourself to the point of exhaustion. Had I known that, you know, one of the things I changed and my grades got better is I'm, I went to bed at 10 o'clock every night and I got mm-hmm. up at 6 a.m. or later every morning. Mm-hmm. So I made sure I got a full eight hours of sleep. My grades increased. Uh, I'm not a 4.0 student, obviously. I'm not straight A's, uh, but that's okay. I did what I had to do to kind of get through. Right. And the other important thing is, um, and it's kind of why we're here with the podcast, we got to talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's okay to talk about it because I can promise you in our class of 2018, um, I'm not the only one that had that experience. And in fact, I'm going to, I think it's pretty safe to say that just about everybody in my class had experienced something like that at some point in their life. We all hit rock bottom. Mm -hmm. And the problem with being a young adult, um, you know, across the board is if you've never hit rock bottom before, how do you know how to respond to it? Right. And you don't. So that's kind of one of the, it's a learning curve with life, but it's also not an excuse. It's not an excuse to say, well, just let them hit rock bottom and let them figure it out. No, you've got to, people will show changes in their personality and their overall well-being and how they, their character throughout the day or throughout a week or whatever given time frame. 
you've got to you know pay attention to your friends and your classmates and know that if they're acting a little different don't be afraid to say hey how you doing sit down smile you don't have to go diving into their whole personal life you don't want to but at least check in on them make sure they're doing okay because oftentimes um you know we'll just go right with suicide people that commit suicide have warned someone that they were going to commit suicide ahead of time Mm -hmm. So it's an it's a natural human behavior to want to talk about it and to want to feel heard and want to be known. So if you sit down with a classmate and say, hey, how you doing? They may tell you everything that's going on that's bothering them and just sit and listen. That's all they need. Mm-hmm. You don't have to solve all their problems or say, hey, you know, I can help you with X, Y, Z if I can. You know, sometimes you can't offer any help. Sometimes you don't have rope to help throw someone to get out of their hole. Right. Um, but even if you got an inch to give them, give them an inch. Right. That'll help them get out of whatever hole they dug themselves. Right. And I like what you said, too, about kind of having the experience of hitting rock bottom. Not that it's a good thing, but if we were to look at the positive side of it, mm-hmm. is that it's, a, it's an opportunity for growth. Absolutely. And there are going to be many, many times in our, especially our profession, that mm-hmm. we're going to be, we're going to have the opportunity to hit rock bottom, be it with euthanasia or losing a job or losing a patient or, or uh, mm-hmm. having poor interpersonal relationships with someone that we work with, what have you. So we're going to, we're going to have these experiences either in vet school or later. Yes, we are. So you're going to have to figure out a way to uh, confront it mm-hmm. and how to, how to make it through. Right. So uh, again, I'm not endorsing that we, we try to hit this rock bottom time right. in vet school. Oh, but, exactly. You don't want to, but if you do, it's mm-hmm. okay because everyone that you know in the entire world is going to experience it at some time or later. Yes, they are. And I think that may be kind of one of the problems that we have in vet school is that a lot of these people that we hear about, be it in the news or, or especially veterinarians that um, you know commit suicide that, that we've been hearing about so much of, as of late, I'm wondering if they didn't have these experiences growing up and, and having these experiences throughout vet school and that their first time experiencing struggle mm-hmm. or failure – uh, was was so late in life that they didn't have the tools to to uh, to help themselves. Right, and that's my biggest fear is that yeah. we we are so used to success, mm-hmm. even if you're not in vet school. I think anyone that goes to right. college or you know in, in high school that's a really great student. Even you don't even have to be a great student, great athlete. Right, you you, you experience that failure and you it's the imposter syndrome coming right back at you. Absolutely, and I think that that could be a whole other discussion, but. Mm-hmm. Um, especially at least in the first couple years of vet school, at least the didactic classes that that the the grading scheme is that's the way that we are judged and that's the yep. way that we're evaluated. And I agree with you that there is a better way. There's got to be mm-hmm. uh, because it only sets us up for failure. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, so looking back and, and knowing what you went through in your first year, yep. Do you feel that now that you've gone through that, you've made it out of that, you've grown as a person, you've, mm-hmm. you've gained the tools to, to uh, to get out of struggle and to to face it and to make it um, a, 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 turn it into a positive right. vehicle to get out of that. Um, do you feel that you are better prepared to be a veterinarian that you've experienced that? Yeah, I, you know that's that's a tough question. I I want to say yes. I want to believe that I'm naive enough to say yes, that that's prepared me for everything else that, you know, struggles I might face down the road. But uh, until you face those struggles, um, you got, you don't necessarily know how to handle it. Mm -hmm. What I will say, what I learned is you do have to talk about it. 
Um, it's not only good for your mental health, but it'll help you pull through it. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you don't say anything, no one can help you. Right. And so that I think is the most important tool I learned through this. You got to say something so that if someone doesn't recognize it because you said something, now they can help you. Right. So my last question for you mm-hmm. is what advice do you have for anyone out there? I guess, especially vet students, since, yes. since we're talking about that, Yep. that may be going through a struggle right now or mm-hmm. may not have had to uh, face a struggle before, but we, you right. know, based on the way that the things have gone, we, we foresee that it's probably going to come sooner or later. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for them to, to make themselves more successful in facing the struggle, dealing with it, and uh, moving on from it? Start with a blanket statement. Um, for all veterinarians listening to the podcast right now, um, we have to do a better job. This The suicide and mental illness problem, we have to acknowledge the fact that we are part of that problem. Mm-hmm. And so we need to do a better job of educating ourselves on not only identifying signs of mental illness or um, mental well-being, um, we also have to you know, try and take that initiative to push forward and prevent. So not only recognizing the signs and doing a better job of promoting identification, but also to, to simply understand that just because you don't see someone else having problems doesn't mean they're not going through it. We all have our problems and we all have our struggles. And so it's okay to tell yourself that you are not alone in this situation. And the hope with the podcast here is that you understand to everyone that's listening that everybody experiences those struggles and it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay to feel the way you felt, to have anxiety attacks, to face depression, to need help. That's 100% okay. Um, and it's and natural, also, I would say. It's natural, exactly. And it's also okay to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to talk about it. Your classmates aren't going to think you're a failure. Your profession isn't going to look down upon you. We, we can't have any more suicides. Right. I think we've had two in two months now. Mm-hmm. That's got to stop. Right. So we've got to do something about it now, and hopefully we can do it today by talking about it. Yeah. And I hope to, uh, just to finish us off, that by talking about it, we're going to help remove that stigma, just like you were talking about. Absolutely. Is that we, I think we're, for some reason, raised to think that having uh, mental well-being um, struggles or mel- mental illness in general is a bad, weird, like pathological mm-hmm. disease. Yeah. It's not. It, there are so many more people out there than you would think that, that have gone through something like that exactly. or are currently going through, going through it. So I think if you're able to talk about it, if we're able to talk about it, um, it's going to make everyone more comfortable with talking about it more. Yep. And we're going to be able to face it a little bit easier and uh, build a better community around it that, again, that, that everyone goes through it. Exactly. And if you don't go through it, that's probably the part that's not normal. Right. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, Absolutely. Right. Cool. Well, Thank you again one more time, Chad, so much for, for sharing your story and opening up and being vulnerable. Absolutely, um, Seth. No I problem. Think it, I think it's really important, and I think you've given a lot of great advice, so, um, so thank you again. Absolutely, no problem. Good luck to everybody listening to the podcast today. Cool. Thanks. Incredible story and even better advice and insight from Chad, so thank you again. Next, I want to welcome Rachel Schulte onto the podcast. How's it going, Rachel? Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me. Good. Um, well, I want to thank you again for being vulnerable and coming on to talk about 
topics relating to mental wellness and, and, and general well-being. I think it's really important that we're talking about it. So thank you again. Um, wanted to first start off just by having you share a bit about yourself to, so people that are listening can get to know you a little bit better. Uh, well, I'm a third-year veterinary student. Um, I grew up in Nebraska and Washington State, kind of uh, split between the two. Um, I'm interested most in public health, so my ultimate goal is to work uh, on the interface between human and animal disease. And, and for that reason, uh, things that affect humans that animals can impact interest me a lot, which would include mental health. So. Cool. Great. Any idea what you want to do right when you get out of vet school? I know it's early, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, not too early. Um, I'm hoping to get a job with the CDC or the USDA. Um, the CDC has some really awesome epidemiology internships, so I'm hoping to get one one of those. Terrific. Cool. Um, all right, so down to the matter at hand. So I wanted to ask if you would mind sharing a little bit about your story in terms of mental well-being and, and wellness and mm-hmm. anything you've gone through. Um, well, I've been struggling with depression for probably a lot longer than I even realize. Because mm-hmm. um, when I was growing up, it wasn't something we really talked about. Uh, my mom definitely suffered from depression, but she self-medicated with St. John's wort um, mm-hmm. and daylight lamps uh, to get that vitamin D. Um and didn't really seek professional help. So it wasn't that it was a, there was a stigma against it. It just wasn't on my radar until I was in undergrad. And I was calling my mom for like the third time for the week and just breaking down on the phone with her. And she's like, you know, the reason you're calling me so much and you're breaking down is because you're depressed. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of rocked my world that I could be depressed. I was like, that had just never occurred to me. Um, and I still didn't get any help for that until... Uh, my second year of veterinary school, um, it got really bad during the first year to the point where I would go home after class, uh, even after the fun classes like clinical skills when we got to play with cows and that was mm-hmm. super fun. I'd go home and I'd lay on my couch just in a fetal position and I couldn't move. Uh, I wasn't napping. I wasn't meditating. I just literally was in such a state that I could not move because my brain was so overwired. And then in my second year, some friends of mine who are not related to the vet school, but who I met in Columbia, um, kind of ganged up on me a little bit. I was telling them about how much I was struggling. And um, I told them that I had passive suicidal ideation, which is I was not thinking about taking my own life. But I would think, well, you know, it'd be easier if I just didn't wake up in the morning. Right. You know, I'd be driving down the road and be like, you know, if, if that person in the oncoming traffic lane was a drunk driver and they ran into me, that would be better than going through with my life. Um, and that, to me, wasn't scary. That wasn't a, a sign that anything was wrong because it was just kind of normal for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't have those thoughts all the time, but they came and went throughout my high school and undergrad years. And my friends who had all been struggled with anxiety or depression kind of jumped on me and said, no, that's not okay. You need to get help. Um, And they were practically crying, begging me to get help. And I was like, okay, I don't think I need it. I don't think I'm that bad. But if it means so much to you guys, I'll go talk to a counselor. Um, And our school has a counselor on staff, which is Mm -hmm amazing and I love our school for that um and I made an appointment with him and I started talking to him and the more I talked to him the more I realized that this was an ingrained part of who I had become Mm -hmm. um 
And in talking to him, I learned that it, it might be who I was, but it didn't have to be who I become in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so in talking with him and blogging, I started my blog around that time as well. I developed some tools to help me deal with my depression and um, not let it control my life. It's still there sometimes mm-hmm. and I can feel it kind of waiting, but it's, it doesn't control what I do or who I am anymore. Gotcha. Do you recall what the the inciting factor was for getting you into a depression? Or w- what happened to make you realize that this is causing me to be down? Um, it was just a multitude of factors. Um, a lot of it for me personally is a social disconnect. Mm-hmm. Um, so feeling that I'm removed from the people who care about me, thinking that my friends don't really like me that much is a huge thing. Um, the more depressed I get, the more I distrust my friends, the more I think that, oh, they don't actually like me. They're hanging out with me because they feel sorry for me or mm-hmm. I annoy them a lot. So one of the tools that my the therapist helped me come up with was keeping track of all the positive interactions I have throughout the day with, with strangers, with professors, with my friends, just keeping track of every time somebody laughed with me, mm-hmm. every time somebody made me smile or I made them smile, every time I just came away from an interaction feeling good. Because I have more of those interactions any, in, on any given day than negative interactions, mm-hmm. but the negative interactions are the ones we think about. Right. They're the ones that we dwell on. Um, so they become so much bigger in our minds. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I dwell on the positive interactions instead, it showed me that I wasn't as disconnected as I thought I was, um, which really helped me uh, fight the depression. Gotcha. Great. Um, so... After you started to go talk to our our vet school counselor, who I will second, is an unbelievable asset that we have at the university. Uh, and if for any of you that are listening that are in vet school that have a psychologist or psychiatrist or counselor on staff there, take advantage of it because it's uh, it's definitely something to not take for granted. Anyways, my question is, what tools did you learn, uh, and what have you employed to to get out of times of struggle? or to make uh, yourself really recognize those positive things and that's been going on in your life? Um, well, like I mentioned, uh, I try to keep track of positive interactions. Um, I also, I should keep a journal. I'm, I'm really bad at it, um, but it does help when I do keep a journal. I just write mm-hmm. down, um, you know, today was a rough day and this is why. Today was a better day and this mm-hmm. is what made it better. Um, also, when I'm feeling really anxious at school, uh, I will write poetry and I end up posting that on my blog. Mm-hmm. Um, and that helps a lot. It helps me get my frustrations out. Um, and that has a secondary effect in that when I post that on my blog, I'll think, oh, you know, this, is, this isn't this is my best work. I'm not super enamored of this poem or this, this piece of prose that I wrote. But then everybody will share it. They'll say, oh my gosh, you have the words when I don't you make this so much better. Like your, your writing just helps me get through my day and seeing that my frustration and my voice gives other people a voice when they don't have one Mm -hmm. and that it resonates with other people helps a lot because that shows me again, I'm not alone in this. Um, We have a community at our vet school and it's amazing. Right. And And I think you make a really great point. And we were talking about this right before we started recording is that, struggling through anything in life and especially in vet school because vet school as we know is 
one of probably the most challenging things anyone can do, that struggling is is much more common than people think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and oftentimes people think that they're alone or, like you said, there's some type of stigma or that they're broken or something is wrong with them. So, again, I think you make a great point that we should just be talking more about this and nothing's wrong and it's, mm-hmm. this is a normal thing to go through. So that's actually a good next question for you is what what would you recommend to vet students in particular, really anyone that's out there that may be struggling um, and what they can do to either get themselves out, out of a rut or gain the confidence to go talk to someone about it? Um, I would say don't be afraid to ask for help. Like There are definitely people out there that you don't want to ask for help because they are not going to be supportive, but identifying people who will be supportive um, or finding a professional who will help you. For me, I really enjoy having a professional who is there because I know that they aren't going to tell other people my secrets. They're not Mm going to go and wrap me out. Um, So that added just an extra layer of of trust and insurance for me. Um, But it also just helps knowing that I have friends that I can talk to, even if I don't tell them everything that's going on, I can just say, you know, today I'm having a really rough time. Today Mm -hmm. I'm having a lot of anxious thoughts and knowing that they'll be there for me, even if they don't know what to say. Right. um, I guess as long as they're listening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just find somebody who listens and short of that, find a creative outlet. Even if you're Mm -hmm. not a very creative person, slap some colors on paper, write some words down. Right. You don't have to write the the next Romeo and Juliet, you don't have to paint the ceiling of the Vatican. It's just something to help you get your emotions out. Mm-hmm. It helps a lot. Right. And I would imagine that vet students that would hear that would say, well, where am I going to find the time to do that? I have to study. So <laughs> I'll ask you that just as a rhetorical, I guess. How do you find the time? Uh, I don't. I just kind of make it. Mm-hmm. Um I have terrible time management skills, <laughs> I will admit it. But this, for me, usually when I end up writing, it's because I can't study. Mm-hmm. There's so much frustration, there's so much emotion going on in my mind that I can't get down and really focus on anything. And I know we all have those times. Right. Um, so instead of sitting there stewing and trying to force my brain to study while my brain is just on a runaway coaster, I use that constructively instead and I go and write or uh or even go on a hike sometimes if I can't even focus on writing mm-hmm. um and then I come back and I'm more focused and I'm more able to study so in the end it's better anyway right have you found that now that you've opened up about yourself and your own struggle to friends and colleagues that you've seen some more communication amongst others talking about things like this? Um, I have some for sure. Uh, I know there's still a large stigma and I know that a lot of our classmates um, aren't comfortable talking about it yet, which is totally fine. Like if you aren't comfortable about it, you don't have to tell the world, but I love hearing other people talk about it because again, it tells me that I'm not alone. And two, it shows me that the stigma is starting to disappear. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've even seen some students talking about it in my public health classes. We'll have discussion boards where we'll talk about suicide rates and depression rates among vet students and LGBT vet students. And it's just, it blows my mind how 
amazingly supportive we are of each other and how supportive even outside community is because the other MPH students who aren't vet students would comment and tell us that we're doing wonderful jobs and they don't know how we do it and Mm -hmm. offering support in whatever way they can. Right. Yeah. You make me think about people that we've seen in the news or on social media that these veterinarians that eventually do take their life, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. and people think they're doing just fine. Right. And I think that, and this may be just my perception as an outsider, because I'm not a veterinarian yet, obviously, (laughs) um, is that in general, veterinarians are able to really put on that happy face and Mm -hmm. make it seem like they're rock solid and compassionate, but very smart and very uh, intelligent in terms of their medical skills, et cetera. But there could be an underlying struggle there that they're not able to come out with. So um, I think that may be something that our profession uh, struggles with and probably Mm going to continue to struggle with for a little bit. But I think things like that you're doing, talking to friends and, and hopefully things like this podcast of just bringing some awareness to it will help us get out of that habit, if you will, mm-hmm. of not talking about it. Right. Um, I'm interested to hear more about your blog. Do you mind sharing about that, where we could find it? What sure. What types of things we could find on it? Um, if you want to go look it up, it's on uh, allthatbites.wordpress.com. Um, and it's just kind of my ramblings. Uh there's some of it's about our class schedule. Some of it is about um, imposter syndrome and mm-hmm. how that affected me and how it affects other people. Um, some of it is, like I said, poetry um, on my depression or on just how different the school feels during finals versus after finals. Um, and a lot of uh, talking about how going through veterinary school affects me and my mental health. Um, Well, going back to what you were talking about, uh, how we're good at hiding things, Mm -hmm. I think part of that is because we have to be. Because Mm -hmm. when we have a family who brings in their 12-year-old family dog, and he's been struggling with cancer for a year, and it's finally time to put him down, and they bring in mom and dad and their daughter who just came back from college and their 12 year old son who doesn't really understand what's going on Mm -hmm. and we have to put their dog down and we have to help them through with that and we become their their counselor their grief counselor and we're trying to help them process their grief and those can be extremely extremely emotional uh um, appointments for us and then we turn around and we have to go into an appointment with a family that just got their first kitten. Right. And we have to do a new kitten exam and we have to be happy and cheerful. And we can be because we've trained ourselves to compartmentalize, or at least I definitely have. And I think those right. of us who haven't will soon learn that in clinics. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can go in and we can be happy and play with that kitten. And then six hours later when we're at home, all that weight just falls down on us. And who do we turn to? I mean, our significant others, if we have them, they see that every day. What are they right. supposed to do? Right. Are we supposed to keep dumping on them? Because that's not fair to them either. Um, or if they're vets as well, we can't keep dumping on each other. But if we don't have an immediate resource, what are we going to do? We just hide it deep down. Right. Until it gets to the point where nothing seems to help. And it just seems like it'd be easier for everyone if we ended our own lives because we feel like a burden to those around us because all we ever do is be a Debbie Downer. Right. Or we put on a fake face and then it feels like nobody knows us. Right. So what recommendations would you have 
uh, at this point in your very early career uh, to uh, to not have that happen. I have no idea. I'm still trying to figure that oh, yeah. out. Um, finding a counselor, professional help. I will always, always advocate for finding professional help mm-hmm. um, and finding outlets that help you process that emotion in a healthy way. Right. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you a little bit more in depth about your experience with our counselor because I, I think that, at least from what I've heard from other students and other people that, that go through struggles or depression um, is that they really sometimes were apprehensive about going to see someone mm-hmm. to talk to. But in the end, and very shortly after they start seeing that person, they realized how incredibly valuable it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's something I def- definitely av- advocate for. Um, I've seen someone myself, uh, you know, almost regularly. Uh, and it is weird the first time because, again, there's this <laughs> stigma and you know, maybe it's from like the movies or the way our parents grew up. Um, I don't know what it is, but um, again, it, it it's one of those things that's so much more common than we think, and it, and it seems like it's not common because people just aren't talking about it because they think that uh, being vulnerable is going to somehow discredit them or make them seem weak or 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 what have you. So, what has your experience been, just generally? Um, Obviously, I know you would recommend it, but why would you recommend it? Um, Well, my experience obviously was a very positive one. Um, For me, going in, um, I usually don't do things halfway, or Mm -hmm. I try not to. Um, So when I went in, I went in with the idea that I was going to beat this depression, I was going to get cured, and I was going to take like five sessions and be done. Right. Obviously, that didn't work. That's not how it works. Um, I still have depression, but it's... Uh, manageable now um but within the first session after talking to our counselor i just realized that um he actually cares about his clients he actually cares about helping Mm -hmm. us get better and he cares about changing the the um culture of veterinary medicine um and that meant a lot to me he wasn't just some random face that i was talking to Mm -hmm. He actually tried to get to know me. He tried to build a rapport with me. um, And he listened to what I had to say. And then he helped me work through my demons on my own. Like, he he was there and he facilitated it, but I was the one working through it, um, which helped a lot as well because it wasn't just some person telling me, hmm, you have depression and anxiety. You're going to fill out this form and then you're going to do these exercises and then you're going to be cured. He was helping me understand my own mind. Right. Um, and that helped me a lot. So to close us out, any last words of wisdom or advice or um, kind of closing points about depression and mental wellness? Um, just that depression and anxiety and all the other mental illness, those are just diseases like cancer or having bad eyesight. Mm-hmm. I wear glasses because... I can't see without them. Mm-hmm. Why should I not see a counselor if I can't live a normal life without it? That's a terrific point. That wasn't my, I stole it from somebody else, but I like it a <laughs> That's lot. That's great. No, I never thought about it that way. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you again, Rachel. This was terrific. Um, thank you again for being vulnerable and encouraging others to do the same and share, because I think that's the only way we're going to, to make it out of this. Um, and, uh, live a much happier and healthier life. So thank you again. Thank you for having me. Great. 
Once more, I want to say a huge thank you to Chad and Rachel for joining me on the podcast today. I know it takes a lot of guts to open up and to talk about what we did, and I hope it will encourage you to reach out to others in times of struggle or to reach out to your fellow classmates, colleagues, friends, uh, if you think that they're in need of support. We'll post some great resource links up on the website for you all to check out, so please do. And we'll also have a part two episode on the same topic where we'll have two more veterinary students on to talk about their experiences, so stay tuned for that as well. Remember, if you ever feel down or hit hard with imposter syndrome or just need to pick me up, remember that what you're going through is 100% natural and normal, and most of all, you're never alone. So reach out to someone, please. Heck, even reach out to me. We're all in this together. And lastly, thank you so much for listening to the Vet School Unleashed podcast. For resources and more information about the podcast, please check us out at www.vetschoolunleashed.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram. Feel free to reach out to me via Instagram or Facebook or email me at seth at vetschoolunleashed.com with any suggestions or topics you'd like to hear about. Uh, and even reach out to me if you'd want to be on the podcast and share some insight of your own. Thank you again, and we will talk to you next time on Vet School Unleashed, Dissecting the DVM. Mm-hmm.